0: Alright, so last time we started talking a little bit about the Tefillot of Rosh Hashanah, uh, the text of the Tefillot. The first session we really focused more on broader issues of Tefillah in general, the meaning of why we pray and why it's so much a part of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. To, uh, the Tefillah is the idea of Lifnei Hashem, that we're standing before Hashem. Obviously that's not a physical description, but it's a, uh, a mental state of being Lifnei Hashem. And since Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are days that we are supposed to be standing before God... Um, mentally speaking, presenting ourselves before Hashem, uh, spiritually speaking. So therefore, tefillah is really at the center of that, and shofar is also an expression of that. So we started talking a little bit more about the text of the tefillah last time, um, the way that it's structured, and I wanted to get a little bit more into that. Now, what makes Rosh Hashanah's uniqueness is, um, and and next time, I think next week, we're probably not going to have class because of the big event that's going on. So our final class, we'll do Yom Kippur, I guess. I'll try to, maybe I can talk a little bit about Yom Kippur today too, even without the book, just to give a little bit of a, uh, to get us ahead of the game, uh, so we don't run out of uh, time just to discuss Yom Kippur. But basically, Rosh Hashanah, most chagim, most special days, their uniqueness is expressed in the Musaf. Because Musaf is a prayer that you don't have on a regular day, you only have it on a special day. So, for example, in Rosh Chodesh, more or less, Shacharit is the same on Rosh Chodesh. Or we say Halel, but more or less it's the same. When do you notice that there's a prayer specifically that reflects that it's Rosh Chodesh? It's a Musaf prayer. So, and that Musaf prayer is totally dedicated to Rosh Chodesh. Same thing with Shabbat. Shabbat morning, yeah. Shabbat takes over the morning prayers, yes. But you have Shacharit every day. You don't have Musaf every day You only have it on special days Rosh Hashanah The specialness of the day Is the most expressed in the Musaf as well That's true even on Yom Kippur Uh, But we'll see it in Rosh Hashanah Now Rosh Hashanah has a, a, a very unique Musaf That we started to talk about last time It's unique because Most of the time A Musaf is made up of seven Bachot Shemona Esrei That we say every other day of the year is not really Shmona Esrei; it's actually nineteen brachot, but we call Shmona Esrei eighteen because originally it was eighteen. That is the Shmona Esrei. The Shmona Esrei is the tefillah that we say every day, the Amidah that we say every day on Shabbatot and Chagim. We say only seven brachot. I know it seems like longer than seven brachot, but it's really not because you have Magen Kadosh, Those are three first three. At the end, you have Hamachazir Shechinat you have Hatov shimchaul Luchanei Lehodot, and you have Sim Shalom. The three at the end, right? Those are the. That is in every Amidah. There is no Amidah on three hundred and sixty-five days a year that doesn't have that, right? There's no. There's not. Every Amidah has it. It doesn't matter if it's Yom Kippur, Tisha Beav, Pesach. Doesn't matter. Always that structure. Okay. What's in the middle is what changes. So during the week, you have thirteen additional b'chot uh, that ask about, ask for different things like. Give me wisdom, help me do teshuvah, give me parnasah, give me refuah shlema, all the things that are in the middle of the Amidah. That's on the weekday. On Shabbat, you say mikadesha Shabbat. We ask Hashem to make the Shabbat meaningful. Now the bachah that we say in Shabbat is long. Because it, it, it's, it's a few paragraphs long. So it feels like you're saying more than one bacha, but actually it's one bacha that ends, Bauchata Hashem mikadesha Shabbat. That's the one bacha. On Yom Tov you have also uh, a, uh, you know, a, a, lo- a long blessing. It ends, mm-hmm. Mekadesh Israel Vazmanim. Hello. Right? Mekadesh Israel Vazmanim is the, is the summation of that long bacha. So even though it takes, let's say, a few pages to get to that, but basically it's one bacha. So don't be fooled by the quantity. Sometimes a bacha can be pages long. Until you see the words Baruch Ata Hashem something, you didn't say a bacha. So when you're talking about, let's say, for example, the ship, the blessings of the Shema in the morning on Shabbat, they start Baruchat Hashem, they end Baruchat Hashem Yotzer Me'orot. There are five pages in between there, but it's all actually considered one bracha. It's not multiple brachot; it's just one bracha because any bracha, the way that you know that you've reached uh, the completion of a bracha is when you see see Baruchat Hashem something. Otherwise, it's not okay. So Shabbat, even though you're saying. Two pages long a bracha. It's really only one. Okay. On, on, in Musaf. Similarly. Musaf of Rosh Chodesh. Mus, is, or Musaf of Yom Tov. It's many pages. But you didn't reach the end of the bracha until you see the words. Baruch ata Hashem. Mekadesh Yisrael V'Azmani. Okay. So that's the sign. that That's why it's really only seven brachot. So all amidot are either. Nineteen brachot. Which is shemona esrei. During the week Or seven bakhot That's all that we have Two kinds of amidot Because one They all have The first three And the last three bakhot The same And they all have Something in the middle And usually What they have in the middle Is one bakha. Sometimes it's very long Sometimes it's shorter Shabbat Relative to Yom Kippur The one on Shabbat Is shorter um, But it's all, but really It's still one brachah Rosh Hashanah is unique Rosh Hashanah has Three bakhot In the middle Okay, it has nine brachot. There's no other Amidah in the, the rest of the year that has nine brachot, only the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah. And it has nine brachot, and after each one of those, nine, uh, of those three middle brachot, we blow the shofar. Why, do, why are there three brachot in the middle of the Amidah, in the middle of the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, instead of just one? What's the reason for the three? So I think we mentioned it last time. Because there are three themes that come together on Rosh Hashanah, three distinct themes. Obviously, the themes are interrelated, but the themes are uh, the themes are distinct. Meaning, we have to speak about them separately. And the three themes are the kingship of Hashem, Malchut, Zichronot, and Shofarot. These are the three themes. So if you look in your uh, machzor, you will find that um, these three bachot, and again, I'm skipping a lot because there's so much more in the Rosh Hashanah prayers, and I want to touch on it a little bit while we still have time today, but I want to get to the essence first. And since I promised that we would talk about this last week, I thought I did. So I want to finish talking about it And then talk about some things that are um, uh, That are in addition to the Amidah The Amidah is the core But let's talk about things First of all the Musaf And then we'll we'll branch out to other things So in the um, The Musaf starts on page 418 In this book Thank you very much for bringing it 418 And the beginning is uh, Really when you get into What makes the Musaf unique is on page 425. On page 425 where it says, Now we could go into this paragraph and speak about it for an hour just by itself. But this paragraph is in the Musaf of every Yom Tov. In fact, it's even in the Shacharit of every Yom Tov. Okay? This is the standard introduction to a Yom Tov Amidah. So that's not special yet Okay And what does it say It says Hashem you gave us yom, this, this day yom Etc And then it says Again Every Yom Tov has this in the Musaf Because in the Musaf we, re- we mentioned the destruction of the Bet HaMikdash The fact that we are not able to offer the sacrifices And so on Okay So that is mentioned on every Yom Tov In every Yom Tov Musaf, Not only Rosh Hashanah When does it become super interesting? So it starts to change And it starts to become unique Really in the middle of this paragraph Because there was no mitzvah To go to the Bet HaMikdash for Rosh Hashanah Unlike the other three Chagim of Pesach, Shavuot and Sukkot there was no mitzvah of what's called Aliyah al You didn't have to go to the Bet HaMikdash. So we just mention, Hashem, we can do all of the things that we were supposed to do on, uh, on these holidays uh, in the Bet HaMikdash. But we don't mention going up to Jerusalem because that wasn't part of it. Everything else in this paragraph though, on page 426, is exactly the same as a Yom Tov Musaf. Musaf of Yom Tov is the same It's talking about how we don't have the Bet HaMikdash Hashem please reveal your glory to us And give us the Bet HaMikdash back And so on and so forth Exactly what we see on every Musaf of every Yom Tov When does it become totally different Okay, meaning not just a little nuance of difference But totally different is on page 427 Because all of a sudden you start saying In the middle of the Amidah That's weird Normally we say At the end of the prayer We don't say In the middle of the Amidah So here you notice Right Everything up till now It kind of sounds similar To a Yom Tov uh, Musaf It's it a little different The wording Because it doesn't mention Going up to the of HaMikdash Three times a year Because that wasn't part of Rosh Hashanah But essentially these words 90% of them Maybe 95% Are straight out of the Musaf Of every Yom Tov When does it really change Is on page 427 When you start saying When you start what, what are we saying in Alein Ulushebech? Does anybody ever pay attention to Alein Ulushebech? Of course not. Because you're on the way to Kiddush. Okay? You're, you're walking out during Aleinu You know, So you, you don't pay attention to what you're saying in Alein Ulushebech, as important as it is. In fact, Chachamim say that Yehoshua bin Nun wrote Alein Okay, Yehoshua, the successor of Moshe that brought the Jewish people into Eretz Israel, wrote Alein Ulushebech. It's attributed to him. Okay? So it's a very important prayer but we don't pay attention to Alenu L'shabech. And there's an old joke about how Alenu L'shabech complained to Hashem. Why did you put me at the end of the prayer? Nobody listened. So Hashem said, I'll put you in the middle of the Musaf. But the, um, but the point is that we don't listen. We don't pay much attention to the things at the end of the prayer because we're walking out as we're saying them, right? Very common. Now, what is Alenu L'shabech about? Does anybody know? That's too generic for me. I need something more... That's, that's, that sounds like the essay that I wrote for the regents exam uh, in 11th grade, where I didn't say anything besides what was in the question. It was, it's only a little bit more. I, I, and, I, and I still got 100. I, I, was, I, was, I was so, I had no idea what, the, I had to pick one of the questions. I had no idea what it was, I literally had no idea what it was, talking. it was a history, I had no idea what it was asking about, so I just had to restate what the question said, sounding like I knew what I was talking about, and I, I tricked the teacher. You know, I have to admit. Anyway, yes, of course, it's praising Hashem, but we are thankful, we're grateful to God. Okay? Everybody has sung this in school, guys. You just never paid attention to what it meant, right? We, it is upon us, meaning we have an obligation to thank Hashem. He didn't make us like the families of earth. He didn't make, he didn't give us their portion. They worship God's who do not save them, they worship idolatry, but we, we have the zikur, we have the privilege, that when we bow, we bow to the king of kings, we bow to the holy one, blessed is he, so we're expressing our gratitude, for being Jews, but specifically, that we are not idol worshippers. that the other nations, worship gods that do not save them, we worship the true God, now an interesting point, that I always bring up when I talk about Shabbach that was taught to me by my teacher many, many years ago, that Aleinu says, they bow to gods that do not answer them. Why? Because they're not real, right? They bow to idols. They don't they do their God doesn't save. So what should it say? It should say, Vanachnu we bow La We bow to the God that does save. Because you just said that they're such they're so pathetic. They bow to, or we should say, unfortunate, that they bow to gods that don't save them. So we should say, well, we bow to the God that does save us, but we don't say that. We say, We bow to the King of Kings. The Holy One, blessed be, who created the world. We don't worship God only because He saves us. See that? That's the point. They're just looking for a result. So they create a God, they imagine a God who will help them. Why do they invent? Why is idolatry come into being? Because people want to be saved. Because people want to be helped. People want something. So they invent or imagine a God that can save them or provide them with what they want. We don't worship God because he helps us. Even if God didn't help us, we still believe in him because we know he's real. It's only because it's true that we worship God. Right? That's the first paragraph. But then not only do we say that in the Amidah, we see, even say, The second part of the What is the second paragraph of about? Does anybody know that one? By then you're already eating Kiddush. Right? First paragraph, you were walking out, moving towards the Kiddush. By the time they got to al Ken, you already had the cake. You forgot about You forgot about that. You were right. What is therefore we are we are we are hoping to you that we should see the glory of your power. It's that all the idols should be wiped away from the earth and all the false gods should be eliminated and all human beings should turn only to the true God. It's a prayer, in other words, we start out by expressing our thanks that we are so privileged that we worship the true God and other nations worship false gods, but that we don't just pat ourselves on the back and say, wow, we're better than everybody else. That would not be very inspiring. Okay? You could be grateful for the things you have that others don't have, but that's, that can't be the end of it, right? The end of it is, therefore we, we ask, we pray to see the day that all of humanity will recognize Hashem and all, all idols will, will, will be gone. That's the second paragraph. That's what al Kavelach is talking about. Okay? So that fits beautifully with the theme of which theme of Rosh Hashanah? Kingship theme, right? Malchut. Because we're saying just as we, a tiny percentage of the human population recognize Hashem, but we're praying for the day and we hope to be instrumental in bringing about the day where all of humanity will recognize God and all idolatry will be eliminated. That's the idea behind the prayer, okay? That's what al Oleshabach is about that we say every single day. So now when you say al Oleshabach on a regular random day, you can think about that, okay? But it's in, it's here in Alein Oleshab, it's in the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah because of the theme of Malchut. And what we learned about last week was that every one of the Bachot of Rosh Hashanah Musaf has 10 psukim, 10 verses from Tanakh on the theme that it is dedicated to. So, Ten Malchut, Malchuyot verses. What are the ten Malchuyot verses? The ten are... Three from Torah. Three from Tehilim, Three from Navi. And then one more from Torah. Always ten. Okay? So you have these ten psukim. The first one is... Hashem, Himloch, Le'olam. Right? Because how does... How does the... Uh, uh, how does the, uh, <speaking in Hebrew> end? Uh, towards the end it says... We don't have the Right, just the part of Hashem is from the Torah Hashem will rule forever and ever That's the, And that segues, as he would say Into the other Psukim So then there's a, more Psukim from the Torah and then psukim from Teilem from And then psukim from the Navi Which appear on page 430 And what is the last Pasuk from the Torah? Shema Yisrael Which is on page 431 That's considered something about Malchut Because Hashem being one and only Is God as the king Okay And then we have a prayer What is the prayer? You should rule over the entire world In your glory and every creature should know you, right? All creatures should recognize that you created them. Okay? And, uh, and everyone will say, Hashem Israel Malach Umal Mashallah. That's what we say at the end of the, all of the Rosh Hashanah prayers, that we're praying. So you see how the, the message of Alenol Shabbat is very much the message of this entire Baruchah, which is that we recognize God's kingship. And we yearn for a day that all of humanity will recognize God's kingship, and then we say the usual ending. Like we normally have on an Shabbat and Chagim, but then we end with "Kiata Hashem Elohim Emet." You are the true God, Hashem. Udvalacham Malkenu Emet, and your word, our King, is true. And exists forever This year it's going to be Because first day is Shabbat Okay But that is the first Barakah Everyone sees it This is the main thing Now if, if Rosh Hashanah were mainly just about an abstract idea That God is the master of the universe And the creator of the world It would be kind of similar to Shabbat Right And that isn't the main idea of Rosh Hashanah I would say that is the foundation of Rosh Hashanah. There, there's a difference. See? Meaning you can't have Yom HaZikaron. You can't have the idea of a day of judgment or assessment or remembrance without the idea that Hashem is king. That's the foundation on which everything rests. But that's an abstract idea. The, the idea that Hashem is the king. That's the goal that's the ultimate objective that everyone should recognize that Hashem is the king. But what is actually the name of the holiday Yom Zikaron. Right? The day of remembrance and you see even though this is the blessing of kingship it ends Mikdashsel be Yom Zikaron. Even though Zikronot is the next blessing not this one. Because the idea that Hashem is the king that's the backdrop to everything. The rabbis say it. They say the the rabbis there's a statement in the Gemara that says why do we blow the Shofar on Rosh Hashanah? Hashem says, that it, it, it speaks about Rosh Hashanah, it says, Hashem said to the Jewish people, Say before me, Imru lefana'i malchut. Say before me verses of kingship. Okay? So that your remembrance will come before me. And how will your remembrance come before me? With the Shofar. So really the goal is to reach the Shofar ultimately. That our remembrance should come before Hashem that we, should have a, that we should reassume our role Our position as a devoted nation of Hashem But in order to have that concept You have to have the concept that Hashem is the king of the entire universe That's the foundation of everything That gives you the long game of what our purpose is But that's not the immediate purpose of Rosh Hashanah Because the immediate purpose of Rosh Hashanah is about where we stand Right? Now, in order to know where you stand, you have to have a picture of the... It's like if you go to the doctor and you find out what percentile are you in height, right? You take the baby, any baby, and they say, what percentile? Oh, this one's 30th percentile. This one is all minor, like not on the chart. They're too small, but, you know, maybe you have some that are on the chart. You know, I had one that was. I had one that, that was on, on the chart. So, that, you know, they're 50th, 60th percentile. So in order to know the percentile, you have to know... Everyone else, right? That gives you the picture of where everyone, that, that's, that gives you the standard. That, that's how you, that's how you know, um, what you're, what you're measuring by, what you're measuring up to. But there, so you need to have a sense of the rubric or the standard, the big picture, and then you can assess where is this person standing relative to that. So the, the malchut part, is to give us a sense of the big picture. But then the question is, where do we stand? It's very nice. God is the king, and we really pray for a day that God is going to be the king of the whole earth. Everyone's going to recognize him. Very nice. Can we go home now? No. (laughs) Right? That's not the end of it. That's only the beginning. Okay, so what are you doing to make that happen? It's a very nice concept, but you can see how these ideas can't exist without each other. Because if it were just, that God is the king... And God is master of the universe And we really have a fervent hope That one day All humanity will recognize that That's a beautiful idea But that doesn't translate Into what should I be doing And where, am I, where do I stand And how do I assess myself That's a totally different question Okay So on the first bacha, We blow the shofar Not on Shabbat obviously And then we say olam, This is the day that Hashem Created the world We blow the shofar On the first bachat On all three of these bachat We're going to blow the shofar the sec yeah. what is it what is it that we're remembering when we're saying zikaron? So Yoma Zikaron is talking about us. Right? We are being remembered. It means day of remembrance, right? right? of us. What does that mean? <coughs> of our deeds? That yeah. That's what the second Bukha really focuses so it means on. Reflection? That is it technically. Meaning? Oh from our side, you mean. Is that what it's trying to right. say? So so we we talk about um, the uh, the idea that obviously Hashem doesn't need to become aware of anything, right? God doesn't need to remember anything. He didn't say, oh, it's Rosh Hashanah. I got to figure out what's going on. What what, what did Charlotte do this year? It it doesn't work like that, right? Let me open the book. I don't know, right? He knows all that stuff. The problem is that we humans need to come to that same awareness. And actually it says it very beautifully in the next Bacha, which Connects to what you're asking. Because it says, on, it says in, in, on 434, one of my favorite parts of the, um, one of my favorite parts of the, uh, the, the of this the second B'cha. First of all, it starts out with, You know and remember everything that ever happened. All of the mysteries are revealed before you. There's no forgetfulness before God's throne. God's not the one who forgets. And you know you can't get anything past God. He knows. He knows all, right? So that's the prayers are written to correct our misunderstanding and to educate us. The Chachamim made these prayers on purpose to teach us the correct idea. Don't think because it's Yom HaZikaron oh, that's because God forgot. I'm blowing the shofar to wake up God. Hey, God, don't forget we're down here. We need your help. No, that's not how it works. Right? What does the prayer say? Take a look at, um, if you, if, if, well, it, here it says, on, first, before we skip, on page 434, ki tavi chok v'zikaron, you brought a chok, a rule, a law, and a remembrance, lehi paked that every soul should be remembered. it's in the passive form. It doesn't say that you, Hashem, will remember. You didn't make this state for you to remember because you don't need to remember. Remember implies that I forgot or that it wasn't in the front of my mind, right? That's not what it is. It's lehizachir, which means for the thing to be remembered. Okay? You gave it to us. Zea yom tchilat Ki chok Mishpat Yaakov. This is a chok for the Jewish people that we have to do the Remembering. In other words, we are becoming aware of the fact that God knows all of our deeds and treats us accordingly. Not that God forgot about it and he needs to remember. And then what does it say on the next, in the next part? It says, the, the, and this is one of the most uh, interesting to me, lines in the prayer on page 435. ish Fortunate is the person who doesn't forget you. And the person who takes strength in you. Those who seek after Hashem never fall. And will never and the person what? All of these are like phrases taken from Yeah. Everyone who trusts in Hashem won't be embarrassed. You won't embarrass them. Because the remembrance of every creature comes before you. So the emphasis in the prayer, it's very important, is that we are the ones who are engaging Hashem and Rosh Hashanah. Not that Hashem forgot and we're reminding Him, or He has a schedule and His phone reminds Him that, oh, today is the day I'm supposed to be remembering the Jewish people. No. It's that we are the ones who need the reminder. So Rosh Hashanah is for us. Chokli Mishpat It's a day Hashem operates within our framework, what we need. Because Hashem's interaction with us Is for our benefit How do we work? We work with deadlines And schedules And by dedicating Specific time periods And specific days To particular focus That's what we need Hashem can know everything simultaneously He doesn't need any kind of reminder We need to focus in on it So our focusing in Is because we recognize That everything about us is, Makes a difference That there are consequences To our choices To who we are in the eyes of Hashem Not because Hashem is in some way changing So the zikaron is happening From our end Yoma zikaron is really from our end okay? We are returning To Hashem Reflecting on our own deeds Reflecting on the fact that Hashem knows us And that whatever gzirot, Whatever decrees are established For the upcoming year Are going to be based on a true and authentic understanding Of who we really are okay? that's, the, that's what we have to be aware of that Hashem is determining the future course of, uh, of events based upon who we truly are. So it's, it's, that's not something Hashem needs to be reminded of. It's something that we need to be reminded of. And that's the, uh, that's the idea of zichronot. Knowing that Hashem knows everything, remembers everything, and that actually He knows us better than we know ourselves. Because we don't know ourselves that well. There's a lot more to each one of us buried beneath the surface than we're even consciously aware of. And we learn a lot about ourselves. And we might even lie to ourselves or try to fool ourselves about who we really are or what's really important to us, what we really believe in and, and, and how good or bad we actually are. But in Hashem's eyes, He knows the truth. And that's the idea of zichronot, to recognize that there's an absolute reality about who we are and that we need to come to terms with it because that's actually what's going to determine the future of our, that's going to determine our destiny, that reality. But that's in our hands. That's why the prayer says, Asheri isher kechecha." Fortunate is the person who doesn't forget you, Hashem, because that person is on the right track. That person is really seeking to live truthfully, in line with what they understand to be right. Okay, but that means being honest with ourselves about where we really stand. And that's what Yom HaZikron is about. So towards the end of this B'chav Zichronot, we bring in, very interestingly, on page 438 it starts, the closing part, after all the verses and everything about Zikhonot, Zohrein HaZikron told me the Fanecha, and this is actually something that is read in the beginning of Shacharit every day. For those who actually read the Shacharit from the actual actual beginning and on, would see every single day the Akedah. the binding of Yitzchak, is actually in the Siddur for every single day for Shacharit. And if you go to a minyan that they really start from the beginning, beginning, that's where they start from. Exactly like in this prayer here, the mentioning of the Akedah. and it mentions Hashem remember the love of Avram Yitzchak and Yisrael Avdecha. And all that they did. And remember the Akedah. And just like Avraham Avinu overcame his natural inclination to have mercy for his son. And he did your will. And he was willing to sacrifice his son. So too should you overcome, so to speak, your natural inclination to judge us negatively and give us uh, and judge us positively. Right? That's what we say at the end of the prayer. So we bring in this idea of Abraham Avinu. And actually, the reason why we use a ram's horn, the rabbis say, is it because it's supposed to remind us of Akedah. Because what happened at the end of the Akedah? Instead of sacrificing Yitzchak, Abraham brings a ram, right? And I used to always think, you know, that sounds like a drash, that sounds like a very, you know, where do they get that from that Rosh Hashanah has to do with Avram Avinu and has to do with the Akedah? Why did they bring this in here? Like, if you read the Torah, it doesn't say anything about that. But over the years, I've come to realize that there really is a lot to that. Because when you look at what Hashem says to Avram Avinu at the Akedah, he talks about how he's going to bless his children, he's going to bless his descendants, and that they're going to have a special relationship with God. And we are invoking that in Rosh Hashanah, the special relationship we have with God. Why do we have this special relationship with Hashem? This is what Rav Desler explains in uh, Mikhtav M'Eliyahu that we learned a million years ago about Zekhut that I really, really like, that we learned a decade ago in the Beit Midrash, um, in the previous generation of Beit Midrash, that I really love the, the way that Rav Desler explains it. Because he says, Zekhut means, we, who we, if you want to know who a person is, Look at who their role model is. Who do they look up to? What worries me the most is when I see teenagers who look up to celebrities who are losers, <laughs> of which there are many, you know? And then occasionally there are public figures that are looked up to that maybe deserve it and they're good, but many of them are not. And it always worries me when I see them idolizing people who are not worthy of being put on a pedestal. Let's put it that way, but that's, that's being kind. Okay, so, when the, so who your role models are is, is really who you are. That's what your values are. That's what you want to be. That's who you want to become, right? Who you look up to is who you want to become, 100%. So that tells me a lot about who you are. If that's who you want to become, that's what your actual values are, right? So if you say, I wish I could be on the level of Avraham Avinu. I wish I could be on the level of Rabbi Akiva. I wish I could be on the level of, I don't, any, whoever, Miriam, Anavia. I wish I could be like Esther Malka. I wish I could be like, whoever the role model is that you choose. Okay? If it's somebody who is, I don't know, just superficially beautiful, or has a lot of money, or is really good in business, or is very popular, and that's the person you're looking up to, that's because that's what you want. You want to be popular, or you want money, or you want people to look at you, or whatever. Okay? If you are looking up to someone because they possess, you see a person who has wonderful midot. let's say, really good midot, really good character. They always know the right thing to say. They always, are, they always make people at ease around them. They're very kind. They're very good listener. They're very compassionate, whatever. All the good midot. They never get angry. They're very patient. Right? You say, I want to be like that person. That, that tells me something about who you are Because who you yearn to be Is part of who you are So when we talk about avot, We're saying we want to be We know we're not on the level of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. We're not But the fact that we yearn to be like that Take that into account Okay, The fact that we keep that At the forefront of our mind In Rosh Hashanah that these are our role models. These are the people that we, we admire and we strive to be like. Who do we read about on Rosh Hashanah? We read about Sarah. We read about Abraham. We read about Hannah. We read about great people who gave up. You know, you know they sac- Basically, Hannah also sacrificed a child. She finally got the child she always wanted and she gave him up to be a leader of the Jewish people so she could save the Jewish people from their spiritual decline. These are people who, who cared so much about what was really important and were willing to give up everything for really the you know to fulfill God's will as, as they understood it. And we wish we could be like that, but it's so hard. Okay? But the fact that we wish we could be like that, that's part of our zakut. That's part of what we have to our credit, that we want to be like that. If you said, Who wants to be like that? I don't want to be like that, then that that's, then you don't get that zakut. are we actually saying that? That's the idea of Zakut Dabot. That we're saying we want to be like them, or we're just saying, please remember that we're their descendants? Well, just the fact that you're... The, this is what Rav Dessler explains in Ichetab Elyahu really nicely. He says, like, if you just are the biological descendant of somebody, then it just becomes favoritism. It's like, oh, God fa- likes Jewish people, He's just, he just likes them, right? So that's why he explains that it's only because the Chut is part of our... Mentality that we identify with the Avot and we want to carry on their legacy that we have the Zuchut Avot. A person who doesn't have that, they don't have the Zuchut Avot. You know, cause, because the, he says that in the early, I think he says that, it's been a long time since we read it, but that in the early generations, it was like natural. Like if you came out of that kind of a culture, you absorbed some naturally, but it's been so long that unless you're consciously trying to connect back, it's really become diluted over the generations, the impact that, let's say, being a child of Avraham and Yaakov, Sarah Ravka, Rachel would have on a person's immediate experience of life. So there are people who are so disconnected that they barely realize they're Jewish, or they don't even realize that they're Jewish. So having that consciously in your mind is, is what Zichut Avot is. So when we're thinking about that, Zichronot, part of it is recognizing who we truly are, where we re- really stand. We have Malchuyot first, and we're saying Hashem. The Malchuyot is saying Hashem... The, the ultimate framework is Hashem is the master of the universe and the ultimate purpose is for us and all of creation to live accordance with His will and to recognize Him. Then we assess ourselves. Where do we stand relative to that? And we assess ourselves not just in terms of as individuals, but as a community. And not just as a community, but as a community that has these role models of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov as our guiding light that we're striving to be like them. And therefore, what does this tefillah do to you? Or is what it's supposed to do to you? bring you back in line with those values. You don't need to tell God anything. He knows everything that you're going to say already. Right? He knows the words already. Right? He knows you know, it's about us. When we read these prayers, we are bringing these ideas to the center of our focus. It's like what I was talking about in the Selichot one day, That was the one day that they didn't record what I had said in slichot, and I actually said something good one time and they didn't say, that was one time they didn't record it so you have to believe me that I said it, right? But we always say in the prayer, (laughs) do it for the sake of your name, do it for the sake of your truth, do it for the sake of this, do it for the sake of you. We say it in Tachanun on the regular days also. Do it for you, don't do it for us. All of those prayers. Do it for Avram Yitzchak, and Yagob. Do it for the sake of Avram, Do it for the sake of Yitzchak. Do it for the sake of All the things we say in Selichot. What does it mean? Or do it for you, Hashem. Not for us. Do it for the sake of your truth. Do it. What is that even... What is it trying to say? It's saying, we recognize that Hashem's chesed to us is because we are committed to a mission of Kiddush Hashem. We are committed to a mission Of sanctifying God's name in the world We are committed to the mission of Declaring God's truth to the world That's why Hashem gives us Another chance and another chance and another chance It's only because of that If we didn't have that You don't just deserve it because For no reason Just like God is going to just Hand out a free pass Because he You know Because uh, what difference does it make to him No Hashem is giving us this Special renewed covenant every year Because we're committing to it also but why do we say, what are we threatening Hashem? Do it for your own, it's for your own good, God. You'd better do it. Do it for your own name and do it for your own truth. What, what, it sounds like, you know, it's, uh, we're threatening Hashem. I'm joking, but you know, that's what it sounds like. No, it doesn't, it means when we're saying those words, we're supposed to be thinking, this is why we want the blessing. This is why we want the renewed covenant because we want to be more dedicated to your truth because we want to be more dedicated to your Torah because we want to bring more of your wisdom to the world we want to do all of this so give us the chance to do it but we have to mean it right so saying these words in Salihot for 30 days before Rosh Hashanah is already supposed to get those ideas like into our minds and then when we come to Rosh Hashanah it becomes a part of us but it's about the change happening in us. Okay, that's why it says, Hashem doesn't take, it says Hashem doesn't take bribes, right? What does it mean Hashem doesn't take bribes? It means you can't give something to God. He doesn't need anything, right? It's not like a human being that you could bribe them because they have something to gain from it. Oh, give me some money and I'll do you a favor. I'll do you a favor and I'll break the rules. There's nothing you can give God. Right, he, he only operates based on truth. It also says, He doesn't favor anybody. Hashem doesn't favor anybody. So the rabbis ask, if Hashem doesn't favor anybody, so what about the fact that it says, Hashem, Isa Hashem Pana V'asem Lecha Shalom, that Hashem is going to favor you. How could it be? So the rabbis say, no, that's because the Jewish people go beyond the letter of the Halakha in fulfilling the mitzvot. So since they go beyond and they really make an effort to do more, Hashem shows them special favor even in the areas where they're weaker. But it's because they're making an effort. We have to make the effort, so that's zichronot in a nutshell. Okay, and we end up zichronot by saying, "You remember all the forgotten things." There is no forgetfulness before you, and we say today, "Remember Akedat Yitzchak," meaning remember the zechut that that gives us that Avram Avinu gave us that model lesson of what it means to be dedicated to God. And then we say zocher and we blow the shofar again, blowing the shofar here is, a, is, a, is a, again, a type of a prayer. The first one is a declaration of Hashem's kingship. The second one is a, dec- is a crying out for Hashem to, to connect with Hashem, right? That our zikaron, that our remembrance should come before God, not because He forgot us, but because we forgot Him. So we're yearning to bring that relationship with God back into our mind by blowing the shofar. And the third Bacha is shofarot. It's funny to have a Bacha called Shofar That you blow the Shofar It's weird What does Shofarot talk about? Does anybody know offhand what it talks about? talking about two things That have nothing to do with Rosh Hashanah Anybody know? Don't look, then it's cheap huh? uh, Mount Sinai Very good, okay And Mashiach Very good, okay Somebody is paying, paying attention Very closely, <laughs> very good Very good, very good. So that's, those are the two themes. It starts out by talking about Har Sinai because what happened at Har Sinai? One of the things that they heard when they were at Mount Sinai was shofar. They heard a shofar blast at Har Sinai. Obviously it was a miraculous one. Hashem doesn't actually pull out a shofar and make wind go through it and make a, make a sound. They heard the sound of a shofar at Har Sinai. Right? That was, and, and so there's a whole description here. About how the Jewish people, Hashem, you revealed yourself on your holy people at Mount Sinai, the whole world was shaking, and you taught the Jewish people to an mitzvot, and you appeared to them with a shofar. And then it immediately jumps into the psukim. There's a very short, unlike the other brachot, where there's a, ra- a relatively long intro talking about the theme of kingship, let's say, the malchiot bracha, a long intro. There's a long Zichronot intro talking about how Hashem remembers everything and then the verses from the Tanakh. Here, there's only like a half a paragraph on page 440 uh, just talking about Har Sinai and then immediately it goes into the verses from Har Sinai. And then on, on page 441 it's verses from the Teilim, and then verses from the Navi. All of them talking about the Shofar. And finally on 443 you're already at the end of the Bacha. It's the shortest of the Bachot. And what does the last Bacha talk about? Teka Shofar Gadol <laughs> Hashem, blow the great shofar to free us and to bring all of our exiles back. And, and then it ends off by saying, Ki shomea kol You hear the blast of the shofar and you pay attention to the trueah, which is the cry of the shofar. <laughs> and there's none like you. Blessed are you Hashem. <laughs> We're not going to say Hayom on Shabbat, but <laughs> that Hashem, you hear the cry of the shofar of the Jewish people. Very interesting. Because there's all these different ideas mixed together here. There's the idea of the Harsinai. There's the idea of the Mashiach. And then there's the idea that we're crying out to God with the shofar and he should hear us blow the shofar. These ideas don't seem to have anything to do with each other except that they all have to do with the shofar. It seems like it has to do with redemption. Okay, good. Yeah. How? Well, Harsinai was when we got the Torah, so ultimately that's a form of freedom, even though we're assigned to a set of rules. Right. But- asking for yeshua meaning you're not redeemed and then what was the last one Rashiach, so, Rashiach, Rashiach, Rashiach. very good did you hear that that was very good so that's that, that's pretty much in a nutshell i think what, what you hit the nail on the head that basically not to, not to yeah it. no that was very good no cuz you connected the three parts it was, it was like a there was a very good development there that's that in, in a nutshell that's essentially what we're talking about that you have har Sinai which was, and in all these cases, the shofar plays a role. What does a shofar do? It shakes a person out of their slumber. That's the idea. In other words, it focuses us in. It shatters the complacency, let's say. The, you know, the, the, the fact that we feel comfortable. Like if you hear a shofar and you're not expecting it, you jump, right? You're not expecting it. It's like an alarm going off. You know, you know when you're sitting there and all of a sudden the fire alarm goes off? Hopefully it's just a false alarm. But it's still, you jump, right? When you hear an alarm go off because it's, it's our nature. We were, we were in our own world. We were comfortable. We were complacent. We were relaxed. And all of a sudden, boom, there's a scary noise. Something's wrong. So the shofar was to focus the people in, to get them out of kind of a relaxed mode. To, and, and, and the shofar of the Mashiach, of course, is also to shake the world up and to change the world. It effectuates change, right? The effectuation of change through the shofar, shaking things up. And so we're asking Hashem to shake things up also. Right? That, like he did at Har Sinai. Like he's going to do in the times of the Mashiach. But what does that suggest? It suggests that we can't do it on our own. Right? Both of these examples are Hashem blowing the shofar. That's what's so interesting. Right? It's not us. Because one is at the Har Sinai, Hashem blowing the shofar, so to speak. Second one, Mashiach, Hashem's blowing the shofar. But then we say, Hashem, listen to our blowing of the shofar. You listen to our blowing of the shofar. Meaning to say, it's almost like we are simulating. We want Hashem to intervene and blow the shofar. Meaning we want Him to shake things up. Because there's only so much we can do. But take, accept our small attempt to shake things up by blowing the shofar. To effectuate change in ourselves By blowing the shofar Accept that And take it to the next level That's really what we're asking God Because in the case of Har Sinai In the case of Mashiach You notice it's the divine shofar It's not the human shofar Right? But yet at the end we say Hashem, listen to our blowing of the shofar So why are you all of a sudden Talking about our shofar? So why? Because we can't make a shofar on that level You know? The divine shofar is an earth Literally earth shattering shofar Right, Earth-shaking shofar. We can't do that with our little shofar. But we're saying to Hashem, we're doing the best we can to shake ourselves up, to get ourselves ready for real change. But we need you to take it home. We need you to finish the process. And that's what we're yearning for in the shofarot. So if you look at how these three ideas, they can't exist separately really from each other. We have the idea of Hashem's kingship that God is the creator, master designer, director of everything that Hashem knows each and every one of us and how we fit into that plan we need to become more aware of it and we need to seek to assess ourselves and evaluate ourselves and push ourselves to fulfill the potential that he's given us and to, uh, and to complete whatever mission is he's given each one of us and then we talk about the idea that there's only so much that our steps can, that our change of perspective, our steps can accomplish. We need something to shake things up. We need to, uh, we need, because the framework itself that we exist in is resistant to change. We need a change of framework, right? And that change of framework, we're asking, we try to simulate it by blowing the shofar to realize that we can't continue going on the same way, we can't keep acting the same way and going the same direction or with minor, minor adjustments, you know, and expect that that's going to be enough. After zikronot, we've reflected on the distance that there is between where we stand and what our ideals are, right? And we can make a few steps in that direction and we can even blow the shofar to try to get ourselves riled up to move in that direction. But at the end of the day, we need some help from God to really carry us forward and carry us to the ultimate destination. And that's what the Shofarot is about. These three ideas fit together. You can't have one without the other. Because in the end, the whole purpose is to realize the vision of God's kingship over the whole earth. But that requires us. And when we assess ourselves and see ourselves and look at ourselves in those terms, we see the gap that there is. So then we start to yearn for bridging that gap. But we need Hashem's help to make it happen. So we blow the shofar to simulate that, but we need that divine push to come from beyond our own uh, uh, you know, sphere of influence, as they say, to, to, to make us, to, to get us there. And that's, that's the, I think the shofar, and, that, and for each one of these we're blowing the shofar because there's a, uh, the expression of the shofar really contains all of these ideas. It contains the idea of declaring God's kingship. It, it contains the idea of remembrance bringing a remembrance and awareness of where we stand before God, before us and before Hashem, you know, bringing that out through the blowing of the shofar. And finally, the yearning and the striving and the feeling that we need God's help is also implicit in the shofar. All of these are in there. All of these ideas are in there, in the shofar. And that's why you need three bachot on Rosh Hashanah that you don't need on any other holiday. You need three bachot because each one of them expresses an idea about the shofar the shofar is coming to connect to each one of them that's why when else do you have this special musaf by the way very interesting one other time we would have the special musaf of the nine bahot which was on yom kippur of the yovel every 50 years every 50 years when they had the yovel they would free all the slaves and return all the land to its original owners on yovel and they would blow the shofar, not only on Rosh Hashanah, but on Yom Kippur. And on Yom Kippur of the Yovel, they would blow the shofar on Yom Kippur, just like we do on Rosh Hashanah, and they would say the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah. The three, the nine Bacha Musaf of Rosh Hashanah. Obviously, it would be incorporated with Yom Kippur prayers, and, you know, it would, in, would not ignore that it's Yom Kippur. But what do you see from that? Whenever you have shofar, you have this special Musaf. Because what is the purpose of the uh, the musaf. The purpose of the musaf is to express, to flesh out the ideas of the shofar. Well, we so shofar on but Only at the end. It's only a custom. It's not really part of the core of of Yung. So to end with the shofar it's not it's not a mitzvah. If you it's a do custom do. at the it's end. Not often do it? No, everyone does. It's a universal custom but it's a it's not really a mitzvah of shofar you don't say <laughs> Asher kiddisha nuba mitzwah it's we do we it at the end? We do at the end only at the end only at at the end end when the fast is over. So the idea of that is like the same thing that basically when Yom Kippur is over our nature is to want to immediately revert back to pre-elul mentality. It's like, oh thank god this 40 days is over. I can go back to just like why, the way things were before. I've been like faking it for too long, you know? <laughs> and so that's what the shofar is to remind you. It's like that's why it says that's why we only blow the trua we we blow we well we blow the shofar first as part of the prayer, and then we also blow the chuagdola, the to basically say don't don't allow yourself to fall back in. You have to stay vigilant. The whole purpose is to carry the kedusha forward, and the holiness forward. Not to now say okay we fulfilled our obligation. The same mentality people have, you know, oh we fulfilled our obligation of forty days selichot and prayers. Now we can go back to uh, the way it was before. That's the contradictory to the whole uh, the whole point. So. But it's not a mitzvah on Yom Kippur. Um, in fact, the shofar is muktan on Yom Kippur normally. But on uh, on that's uh, so why we have to leave it there beforehand and all that. On the uh, on the on the um, on the uh, on Yom Kippur of Yovel, though, you see, because there's a mitzvah of shofar, suddenly there becomes this need to have this special musaf because shofar doesn't express words; it's just a sound. So what gives it its meaning is the ideas we associate with it. That's why actually Rashi says in the Chumash it says Zichron trua. With it, the Torah calls Rosh Hashanah In one place, Yom Tu'a, In one place, Zichron Tu'a, Remembrance of Tu'ah Rashi says, what does Zichron tua mean? It means reciting the verses uh, that, that are associated with the shofar Meaning the kingship ones The remembrance ones The shofar ones Meaning we have to give a remembrance To the, to the blast of the shofar Meaning it has to have ideas associated with it It can't just be playing uh, music Playing a sound It has to have certain ideas that it is Connected I to When express. people miss it Like women miss it And then they They do 100 blasts for them. Right, they, well, right. Like you, that Right Well Right If you fulfill the, mitz- the mitzvah Actually, Is I'm to hear the shofar But The mitzvah is to hear the shofar But the ideal is to hear it With the brachot mm-hmm. That's the ideal But that's only something You do in the community Meaning only if you're with the minyan You say You, you do it that way mm-hmm. If you're alone Then you just hear the shofar By itself And you have your own prayer but if you're with a minyan, then we do it in the full way that the brachot and the psukim and everything are combined together with the shofar. Even we do it even during the silent amidah, but only with a minyan. It's only a communal thing. So the mitzvah is to hear the shofar and each person will process it on their own. But when we're doing it communally, we do it in the ideal way. We blend together the content of the brachot with the shofar. And that way the shofar is given, becomes expressive of the idea. When you're thinking about that idea and then you end it with the shofar, the shofar ends up connecting seamlessly with the, with the theme that you're talking about. You know, that's the beauty of how the shofar works. It's saying there's even more to this that we can't express with words alone. We're just going to have that moment of thinking about it that it penetrates into our consciousness using the shofar. So this is the beauty of, I think it's really beautiful. The Musaf is amazing. There's so many ideas in it. Every year we read it, it's so long and you feel kind of pressured to finish that it's, there's so much that we don't get a lot of time to process in the Musaf. Hopefully, this gives you a nice framework. What I was going to talk about in addition was, I was going to go into the, the Akedah story. I was going to go into also uh, Echari raton, which is the a piyut that we read about the Akedah that describes the human side of the Akedah, what Avram was going through, what Sarah was going through, what Yitzchak was going through in the Akedah, which is so powerful. It's really, really beautiful Echari Raton that we do before the shofar. But since we're running late already, I probably won't get to touch on it. I just wanted to say, since we discussed the Akedah, that was good that we got a chance to, to mention it. But Echari Ratzon is a really, really powerful prayer that we read before the Shofar because it talks about Avram Avinu's inner experience of fulfilling the mitzvah of the Akedah, what Sarai Menuh was going through, what Yitzchak was going through. And it, it helps you humanize the story and realize it's not so simple to overcome, to rise above yourself and to... You know, be willing to make sacrifices or be willing to be com- really committed to a higher ideal. It's so much easier said than done. You know, but that's part of what Rosh Hashanah is supposed to remind us. Okay? Thank you. I hope this helps give you guys a little bit of a framework for Rosh Hashanah. I understand that next week there.